0: just kind of came through the room and it's just And i mean it's like Casper the friendly ghost meets national geographic meets wow
1: welcome to the phase four podcast inspired by Vishen Lakhiani and Ajit nowalka co-founders of Evercoach a division of Vine Valley in this podcast we speak to coaches and creatives about where they were, where they are, and where they are going. This is the intersection of what we focus on expands, and your story is your superpower. My guest today is Rachel Patterson. And Rachel and I met in the certified business coach by Mind Valley. And it was really intriguing to me that right away we we both started groups to support the community, to grow, to learn, to expand. And it just so happened our groups were on the same night at the same time. And I'm so grateful. Rachel reached out to me and asked me if that was okay or if it was conflicting or if I wanted to change or she wanted to change. And we didn't change. We both did them at the same time. But the fact that she did that, she did not have to do that. So, it just opened my heart. It makes me feel grateful to connect and to know Rachel. So, Rachel, welcome to the podcast.
0: Oh, thanks so much, JP. Yeah, I remember that. That was there was so much movement at the beginning of that, of that course, and trying to to figure out our schedule. And um, yeah, I didn't want to inhibit anybody else's initiatives, and um, and you were so gracious. So. Yeah. And we, I, I think you said something like, it's always good to have options. And then, um, and so people did and they kind of went back and forth. So it was, it was nice for us to have that initial connection. And then I think, it, and it was nice for people to have the, like you said, the options.
1: Beautiful. So I, I noticed that uh, you have a cool naming company, Glocal. And uh, you've been doing that for <laughs> sixteen years. And so maybe before you got to the CBC, where were you and how did you end up there?
0: Oh, um, yeah, my, my life is kind of a unusual trajectory. My, um, with my parents' jobs, I grew up every, uh, every changing country every three or four years. So I grew up in, um, eight countries. Um, and, you know, across the Middle East and Latin America and Europe, um, which uh, gave me a huge kind of legacy and 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 hugely affected my mindset and, um, you know, different ways of dressing, different ways of thinking, different ways of solving problems, um, kind of seeing how things are linked. Um, and I think. It's uh, a long story medium. I grew up like that. I, um, then I, you kind of continue doing an international uh, or adventurer exploring life. And I, um, I worked in corporate, I worked in nonprofits and then I, and back in corporate (laughs) and, and then I, um, decided I that I wanted to uh, make more impact, so I went back to nonprofit, bringing bringing some of the business analytics, and I had done this big name MBA, and um, so my international background and big name MBA, um, and I was restless in the typical uh role in corporate. Um, so I went back to nonprofit and was doing some more project design and some marketing strategy and growth strategy, and um, and then that evolved into Glocal, which is global plus local. And I, um, yeah, I just I and then over the course of the that time, over the last five years especially, I started. Thinking, gosh, Rach, like if you really want to make impact, um, yeah, nonprofit makes sense. But maybe since the nonprofit mindset, like doing good and the, the stereotypical business mindset of, you know, stereotype bottom line, there's they're kind of merging now and doing well by doing good corporate social responsibility, corporate sustainability. And because of my background in international development and corporate and nonprofit, it was like, Rach, maybe you want to shift to that middle ground. Um, because companies probably make up 75, 80% of the world economy. So um that that was my that that's what I'm working in is corporate sustainability with a little bit of nonprofit and some general corporate marketing startup marketing on either side but global came out of my background of of think global act local and uh that that whole kind of they see things holistically um, translate between the languages whether it's italian and english or french or spanish but also like the languages between like financial people and marketing people and HR people and a lot of times we have certain mindsets that drive um, the way we think about a a situation or the way we want to solve it Um, and it's just it's really useful to have all the people at the table you know to, to to come up with your strategic plan and anyway it's it's there's so much that I can say but let me like pull back from all my tangents. So global, local is global plus local. Think global, act local. And um, I always, a lot of my clients would say, you know, you're a little different from all the, from the other consultants. And, um, and at first I was like, oh, what does that mean? i was saying, like, is that okay? <laughs> and they're like, well, you listen and, um and you're like you have this education but you're not um like you're not arrogant and, and um and you' you're kind of more like a coach and it was like oh that's interesting so then it, gradually people suggested Rach, you should do you should check into coaching because you have that approach and I I resisted. a bit because i i don't know i thought oh coaching it's you know it's this new thing and and it's already kind of a full market and i don't know and then finally after like a couple years of thinking about it i was like no i keep thinking about it and people keep saying it and then I was i um because i was also on this like professional, like the personal trajectory of like the way that I move through the world and coaching and ask, asking questions and being curious about other people's realities. And then the professional thing of, um, like corporate sustainability and social responsibility and all of these acronyms around, um, how, being a good corporate citizen. I, um, I kind of, decided, yeah, now I want to do coaching, but more focused on executives and businesses. And then I think the next day or within the next three days, I saw the this certified business coach course come across my e-desk and it is like, ah, oh, it's meant to be. And then I, yeah, and then I enrolled. So there's, there's Glocal, there's my path to coaching. Um, that's kind of a long explanation there's yeah there's what i'm working on now but
1: here we are beautiful so if i'm hearing you you were already coaching and you didn't even realize it while you're doing all that and that one of the key foundations in coaching is to meet the client where they're at and so you said it in a different way you said that you're speaking their language but that's the same idea and so you've been coaching and then yeah these magical emails somehow find us at the perfect time right
0: uh yes yes it, it was serendipity, and it was fun because if you you asked before, uh, like before we or when we were setting this up, like what some of my favorite Mind Valley quests were, and then I said one of the ones, which of course is one of the most popular ones of Mind Valley, was was the Silva Ultra method, and um, and I decided at the beginning of this year that one of my um, goals was really to hone my intuition better and um so i i yeah long time lurker i guess on mind valley and i finally became a member in early 2022 and i'm really glad i did but yeah and then like all these little serendipities happened or or i started noticing them or both but yeah and like yeah like you said meeting people where they are it was, um, yeah, I mean, I had some ups and downs like because I I would get caught between, like, oh, you're different from other consultants. And then I'd start thinking, oh, I need to start acting like other consultants. And then, um, you know, and then follow the process a little bit too much. And then I came back to, no, be present, um, be present be where this situation is and, and it has always happened. Oh, thanks. Yeah. Yeah, the fact it's that you're like, different,
1: it's like that's what set you apart and like part of this, what I'm trying to do here is your stories are superpowers, so you lean into that and just don't, I know a bit about your upbringing and your background, so that's what makes you different, but that's also a gift and a light to bring to the world and don't be like everyone else. Be your own self and step into your authenticity and the fact that people are telling you that and that they're resonating and they're attracted to that. That's amazing. So, um, yeah, I love it. Maybe it has something to do with your background and your upbringing.
0: I think so. Yeah. I, um, I am looking over to my left because I realized that, um, like personal and professional are always like parallel tracks that, that development. And, um, last year, I realized that my spirit animal is a giraffe <laughs> and it's because it's all of these weird parts. It's like snake meets horse meets cheetah and like it shouldn't work, but it's ama- It's this amazing animal and it's gentle and it's such an important part of the savannah. So I have my um I have representations of my spirit animal right here like I'm all these weird parts that fit together and don't make sense but they do. And um yeah anyway it's 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 kind of fun. I am I am different and I it took me a long time to embrace that. It's, um, some people are mature enough to, 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 to realize that in their, in their twenties. And, um, it it took me a little bit longer. I, I,
1: (laughs) yeah, I knew I was different, but I didn't embrace it. Like you're saying, like, I'm, I don't know, I guess I'm probably a little more in touch with my feminine side than most men. But, and I always kind of knew that and, but I kind of tried to stay away from it, but then you start to realize that that's your gift to the world is that you are different and you are unique. And that's awesome. So I love it. And the, the idea of snake me, towards me, cheetah, that's such a perfect description. I've never heard that, but it's beautiful. <laughs> I have some words written down just when I was um like looking you up to talk about. And so there's so many, so maybe you can just kind of take it where you want, but we got music arts, travel, volunteer, Corporate citizenship, sustainability, diplomat. So maybe you could talk about that. Or or, I know you went to a bunch of different countries and you grew up in a bunch of different places, which I think is really amazing. And I think also that sometimes we think our own story isn't that big of a deal or it's not that important, right? And but your story is so unique, like that, where it's it is important. And I think people would love to hear about it. Oh, wow. I'm.
0: Um thanks yeah i i I agree with you we tend to underestimate our own skills and underestimate um yeah the power of those skills and the power of our story which is another thing i learned a lot later than i wish i had but um yeah i grew up um my my parents were diplomats and both of them so i grew up in eight countries i I think i kind of said it a little bit earlier but um, I, I cross multiple regions of the world and then the uh, Middle East, Latin America, Western Europe. And I, um, you grow up like that and you, you learn languages. You learn different histories. You learn different, you see different ways of dressing, of um, solving problems, all of that kind of wonderful stuff. And it, um, it forms your mind in a certain way. So from the time I was even like six or seven years old, I was kind of translating between cultures or explaining, oh no, he doesn't mean anything by that. Or or like, oh, that's kind of odd or rude or something. Because I, I started to understand, yeah, in a six-year-old's mind or a nine-year-old's mind that, um, that everybody has their backstory i guess and there are different ways of reacting to it but yeah so i grew up always kind of translating between cultures which i think is such a valuable formation for this world that is changing so quickly because of technologies increasing integration into our lives and um globalization or regionalization like just like more than just our village you know our our reference are, are much larger um so I think that was such a, a powerful formation for me um it does make me think in a different way and I'll sometimes say uh, I'll draw conclusions from situations or, or comment on things in a way that that people will look at me kind of like the blank stare <laughs> and I, and I I have to clarify a little bit and then um you know, Sometimes I would be really self conscious, and then I'd just be quiet. But now, you know, af- after my after I hit forty, I got a lot more confident and um, they are caring less about what other people think. Um, which I mean, I care about people, but I'm not as self conscious. I'm I'm much more myself, and I'm I'm well and well past that now. But yeah, so my story growing up. Um, all over the place. Um, I was, I was lucky. I was in a middle-class, kind of upper middle-class family. Uh, We were traveling around, so I got so many amazing opportunities. And then I studied music. You know, our family, we would always like sing in the car on, on road trips. (laughs) And, um, and I played clarinet and I did piano lessons and, and all of that. And then, um, in high school, I started doing voice lessons and I did high school in Italy. So the voice lessons were opera, um, which is very rigorous technique. And, um, so, and then I kept doing that through university and then a little bit after university, and then I paused because I, um, partially because I had to pay the full price (laughs) of voice, uh, voice lessons. And then partially because, you know, you've got to go into quote the real world right? and, um, not just do this fun stuff, but, um, long story medium. I, I took a break from the singing lessons. And then when I went back a couple of years later, I wanted, I still wanted the rigor of the the technique that I learned in lyric or opera or classical music. But i wanted more connection with the audience so i started doing more jazz and gospel and some of the um, some popular stuff and i just did that alongside um like quote my day job and um and i slightly navigated the both and like the day job and the music and i say slightly because it, i yeah, it was always one more of one and less of the other, a little bit more of one and less of the other, or none of one and and all the other, you know, it, was, it wasn't as stable. But um, yeah, I, I jokingly call singing my, my free therapy Love because it. yeah, yeah, it's great. Like uh, I think anybody who has an artistic outlet Like however you're feeling, whether whether it's painting or dance or singing or playing an instrument or any other thing, you you come to that practice, and I mean it's it's kind it's kind of meditative, but you come to the practice with whatever emotions that you have, and then you immerse yourself in the message or in the medium or in the song, and I mean with my particular thing of performing singing. Like, I had to become the song. I had to communicate it um, for the audience. And I, like after any show, I was cleansed. It was just incredible. I was cleansed. And then I was like this fountain of joyful energy. And I couldn't sleep that night. And I was happy for days. And I and that's a kind of high that you just keep wanting to to hap- continue happening. And even when there are times when you're tired and you do a show that's not that's not as great, there's still something there um, that's cleansing and it's, that's about connecting with humans and and telling stories. And there's um, there's something really profound in and, and and performing um, star gets gets you used to the fact that you have to like do a lot of work. To prepare something, and then you kind of have to let go, and um, and you don't always know how people are going to react, and um, and you don't and you don't always interpret people's reactions well. Like I, like what I I remember one of the times I was um, is doing a, a, a like a living room concert, and there was this gentleman in the front row, and he had such like a sour face. And was like, "Oh my God, he doesn't like it. He doesn't like the way I'm performing. So then I'm putting more energy into the song, and I'm walking around the room and um, and you know, which is good to do, you know, so long as you don't like go, I guess like over the top or get really nervous, but um, and it didn't change his his facial expression much, but um. But finally, I was like, I just relaxed into it, and I was like, "I'm performing, right? You're performing for everybody, not just for the uh, like, the 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 frowning guy." But frowning guy, after the concert, came up to me and was like, "That was an that was wonderful. You, I love the way you interpret. I, I, I don't even remember what he said. So like, I, my interpretation of his face was completely off." But anyway, so performing has taught me a lot. It, I mean, like, there's so much we can learn from all of our different aspects of life. I mean, like you're a parent, like your kids are your teachers. I'm sure you say that a lot. And um, and, it, yeah, I mean, like everything that we do, like every strong hobby, every aspect of life teaches us something. So yeah, art, international background, Those, I guess those are some of my giraffe qualities.
1: That's beautiful. There's a lot there. I'm going to unpack some of it. Um, One thing towards the end, and I've just started learning this more, is that it's not up to us to judge our own stuff. We do the work. We show up. We put all we can into it. And then whatever happens, like this podcast, right? If people don't like it, that's not my problem, right? If they like it, great. But I'm just going to do what I can do. I think part of it, and I'm when you were young so you went you were in italy right so italy opera beautiful churches so that's just an automatic perfect fit and so i've heard you talking about um volunteering with the choirs before so maybe we can go into that in a minute but um those those moments and it, it can sometimes it happens i'm a sports guy i'm not a music guy but sometimes the same thing is in sports but definitely when i'm journaling I can notice that my emotions come out on the page and like one day you might read it and it's totally like sad, happy, whatever it is, but the emotions pour out. And if you allow that, and that's, to me, that's almost like God moving through you. And it doesn't matter if it's sports writing or, or music or art, but all of this together combines. And so I've heard you speak, um, Italian too. And I love it. And, um, Maybe it seems to me, and I don't I might be wrong, but that that your heart is like in Italy is that
0: yeah yeah i I went to high school in Italy, so four years, and then um I went to university part in the u s part in France, and then I went back to Italy for seven years before I moved to the u s because and then I moved to the u s because if you're if you're going to be an international business person and and you say that you're American and whatever, you need to know what it's like to work in America. Um, but yeah, Italy is. I think those years, thirteen to seventeen, are so formative. Um, I think any of your childhood years are formative, but when you're like when you're a teenager, you're you're becoming a little bit more aware of your surroundings and you're really forming your personality. Um, and and the way you think about the world and the way you process information. So, it, and that was when I was living in Italy, in northern Italy, in Milan, and um, going to an international school, and yeah, and doing my music lessons, and and taking the tram to go to school and come, come home from school, and blah blah blah. blah. Um. It, it, yeah. It. it Italy and, and Europe exploring the world in general is 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 part of me um and just like the amazing things that um that humanity has created you know the like the Aztec Mayan Incan temples the you know, Egyptian pyramids the you know thousands of years ago and then just the incredible things that that God or the universe has created, um, in nature and um, the. I, I love how you 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 talked about journaling, and how it's so interesting to see your emotions pour out on the page, and um, in, I've had similar experiences with journaling. That it's just it's incredible to kind of right early in the day or or at the end of the day or I mean whatever it works for people and um kind of reflect on what's happened. And then when I see the words on the page, I realize what I feel about them or what I my experiences. I, I realize what I think about my life, what I saw or experienced that day. I start to notice the magic and um and then one of the so like that journaling and then you talking about the, like the God coming through through us uh, in the journaling. And then me just talking about the, the, the amazing experiences I was given in traveling. I just remember this one time that we, we did a family trip and I was, I guess I was in university. So I think it was 2021. 20, and, um, my mother lived in Guatemala at that time. She lives there again. And, um, we went up to the cloud forest, which is um, it's like the rainforest but on a mountain. And it took uh like it, it took a couple hours to get to like the base of the mountain. And then for 18 kilometers, it took us two hours because the the road was so grooved and um dirt and rock. And um, part washed out. And it was just, it was such an adventure. And then we get uh, to where our uh, refuge, like our hostel or something was, that that we were staying with this, this group of family. And one morning we were sitting there having breakfast and we were eating uh, like the fresh cheese that they had made and and the tortillas and, and, you know, whatever we were having for breakfast. And this, you know, again, this is rainforest. It's on a mountain, and um, clouds. So we're high altitude. A cloud just kind of came through the room, and it's just. It, I mean, it's like Casper the Friendly Ghost meets National Geographic meets Wow. We really are in this amazing place. It's um. Magic. It is magic.
1: I'm picturing Machu Picchu right now and just like poof, yeah. You spoke about uh, the Mayans too. Like I I went to the Chichen Itza, chicken pizza they call it, but (laughs) at at the time you could walk up, like there was a rope in the middle, you could walk up all the steps and you could actually go inside the pyramid. This is probably like 2005 and I remember our guide was telling us like, yeah, tell all your friends that, to come because they're going to close it and you're not going to be able to walk up it soon or go inside it. And I'm like, he just wants to sell. And then sure enough, my dad went like two years later and now you can't go in it. And I don't even think you can walk up the outside anymore because it erosion. But yeah, those are like those moments of awe, like a cloud just coming through you. For me, it's going for a morning run when the sun's just coming up over rolling hills and that's what life's about travel experience all those moments of awe
0: I, i'm with you 100% yeah and it, it, and then it, it the the magic and it kind of makes you go it can take your mind off into so many tangents about you know the the incredible beauty of the world um how lucky people are who work with national geographic um and like and and how time is not linear because there are these experiences like like you climbing the pyramids at Chichen Itza and me like getting to be in the cloud forest or or, or other experiences that either of us have had that stay in our minds and the um that represent so much more than maybe the you know the hour or the minutes or the hour or the days that they took. And um, yeah. And then you, I mean, you, it's easy to get lost in your mind with that, but it's, uh, there's something, it's a reminder that there's magic and that um, humanity can be inspired. And, um, and, the, and, and there's, and we want to preserve not only hum- human inspiration, but like the, 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 I mean, the sources of inspiration and like the world, the nature, animals. um, Yeah.
1: Sustainability. And- That's okay. It's perfect segue because I know you like sustainability, corporate citizenship, all these things go and tie in together with that. So uh, I read uh, maybe is it on your LinkedIn, they, you have a paper called The Alphabet Soup of Corporate Citizenship. You yeah. know I don't know if you know, but I have a blog and it's called Words From Walden. And so it's based on Walden Pond, Henry David Thoreau. And the idea is that he came out to the woods to do his life's work. And I feel like I'm kind of doing the same thing here. And so I started a blog the walk's called Words from Walden, and there's a bunch of different series on there, but there's a series called Alphabet Soup for the Soul. And I'm like, when I saw yours, Alphabet Soup for Corporate Citizenship, I was like, wow. So, you want to talk about that?
0: That is so cool. I love that. I, yeah, I mean, the main thing about the whole Alphabet Soup for Corporate Citizenship is that, um, it, like we as humans, are responsible for taking care of ourselves of ours and of our surroundings and there are all these different practices that develop that then have a name and they might have an acronym and um and it's i mean and if that helps people start doing healthier practices that's great but once you get all of these segments or all of these little practices with names and acronyms it can start to become confusing when really all of that alphabet soup comes back to in in, in my world to, to to caring about our surroundings and the all of our stakeholders you know whether it's our 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 personal health our family our community nature um the government uh, shareholders, all, all that kind of stuff, it comes down to the caring about all the people who are affected by what we do. And um, so then in my corporate speak, I talk about, yeah, there's, um, you know, businesses have a role to play in solving the world's issues. They don't just need to be extracted. It doesn't just need to be, destroy the planet or or um, accumulate all the profits there's a way if you if you're talking about strategic planning you know if we're in our in our headspace and 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 i'm trying to move people businesses to to combine the head and heart and there are a lot of people in business who want to do this but if we're in our headspace if you're doing strategic planning you really want to manage for the long term Because we're in this, again, fast-changing world. We've got social media. Like, reputations can be made and broken uh, pretty quickly. And yes, there's a whole other parallel power dynamic that needs to be acknowledged. But um, so many people in in business do want to make a difference. They don't just want to make a paycheck. And you combine that with the fact that, that... Companies that have high employee engagement, or sorry, companies that are purpose-driven have four times the employee engagement. And companies that have high employee engagement have 21% higher profitability. I mean, there's so much, There's I, I, this 30-page white paper that I wrote, like includes all of these stories and all of these statistics because I want to meet people where they are whether they're skeptics about corporate sustainability, corporate social responsibility, ESG, environmental social governance, um, or they're already the converts and like, I want my company to to make a difference. So I want to give them the statistics and the stories to tell internally so that they can convince their colleagues of the importance and then start taking steps. And it can start small, like having like, food composting at the cafeteria, and recycling. And then once you start, once you're you're in movement, and once you're in movement, it's easier. The learning accelerates a little bit, and the enthusiasm around you starts to accelerate a little bit, and it's much easier to do more and more. So my white paper is all about like trying to get people on the train of, of doing um, corporate citizenship. And I call it the alphabet soup because like, sustainability was talked about in international development and in agricultural circles like since the 1950s or so. And then it started moving into business a little bit more recently. But you can talk about CS, corporate sustainability, CSR, corporate social responsibility, then evaluating your impact on the surroundings, that's ESG, environmental, social, and governance, you want to help support the SDGs, and you have to do that through PPPs, so that's supporting the the sustainable development goals of the UN, and you have to do that through public-private partnerships, and you want to do uh, val- like long-term strategic planning and respond to the way the world is, which means you need to make informed decisions, which means that you need to have... Uh, input from a lot of stakeholders and from a lot of different points of view. So that speaks to DEI, diversity, equity, and inclusion. So there's this huge alphabet soup, which then can risks confusing people. But again, really, for the business mindset, it's all about doing true long-term strategic planning, because if you have lower turnover, if you have 21% higher profitability, Because you have higher employee engagement and employees are increasingly demanding that their, and customers are increasingly demanding that their brands or their employers reflect their values, like you need to incorporate all of that alphabet soup to, to be a successful company, not just right now while you're extracting, but long-term um so that you don't get the boomerang effect or uh, whatever anyway i can talk about that a lot but it's it's a 30-page white paper that a couple of colleagues have said you should turn it into a book and i was like a a book i i, I was like oh a book of 150 pages i don't know if i have that in me and they're like who says it's 150 pages you know and maybe you add a few more stories and you... um but it opened my mind so i think i i might turn it into something a little bit more because it's not it's not like a textbook like it reads like a combination of like stories and encouragement and um and statistics uh so hopefully it's educational and um engaging even though it's much longer than the two pages most business execs want to read. We'll it. see. We can Sorry. Even if it's not a, a
1: 150 right now, you have the bones and the beginnings for to make it 150. I think that's a great idea. I love that you change. Uh, you didn't change, but you said responsibility at the beginning. You said the word corporate has a role to play, and then you elaborated and said responsibility because I was thinking it's not just a role, but they have a responsibility. And it's a little unfortunate that it has to take for them to make more profit to do it. But as people go the direction, as customers want it, as employees want it, as they notice sick days going down, engagement going up, it's going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. So you're on the right path and you're maybe one of the um, pioneers in that. So good for you. I love it.
0: Well, thank you. And I love how you summarize that. Because, yeah, wellness, like it, people believe in what they're doing and and then you bring in all of the the health and wellness, H&W. And um, <laughs> I like thinking you lobby because it's it. I mean, if you're a cynic, it's all about long term management and, and maintaining profits. And if you're a convert, like. Like, help people and resources be the best they can be. So right. I yeah, responsibility and um yeah, well we're we're gonna we're gonna push we're gonna help Atlas push that world earth up the hill and and make it healthier. Beautiful. I think I mean, we're we're towards the top of the hill. I think we are towards the top of the hill.
1: We're definitely going in the right direction. And it's um it's eleven eleven right here. Um so that that's another good segue into this is the Phase Four podcast and Phase Four of the Six Phase Meditation is all about creating your future three years out. So where is Rachel
0: three years from today? And that's a great question, and I um, and it, it's a It's easy to give a flip answer, and then it's harder to give the real answer. But I um through Mind Valley and doing some of the quests and um and that exercise that's called the three most important questions. Um I finally did a, a, a vision board and I've I've known about vision boards for for years and for some reason I just didn't make one, but I I finally did and it's just it's so hugely helpful to just like look over and see, yeah, that is what I want. Um Three years from now, ideally, my business is like 80% online. I am working anywhere I want in the world. I have, um, I am living both in Europe and in New York, um, part of the US, obviously. And uh, in Europe, I want to have a farm. And That's also kind of like a and B, and I would get ten percent of the pro- produce. Uh, staff would get thirty percent of the produce. We'd sell the rest of the produce, and that helps um, that helps finance the farm. But we'd also have like uh, cottages around or little apartments around, so then it becomes kind of like your thing, the the retreat center. Um, I mean, I don't think it'll be a retreat or at least not in three years, but um, a place for people to come and relax and be in the countryside. And if they want, maybe help out on the farming. So there's that. And then I have my home also in New York City so I can be connected to the energy that New York City gives, gives me, you know, gives everybody who comes through here. Um, You know, just the huge variety and types of people and um, activities and, and, and restaurants. Um, and I'm doing my, uh, workshops and, and I've got, f- uh, four workshops, but, and I'm, or I have three and a half workshops and the half workshop that I'm developing much more is this a corporate sustainability, corporate social responsibility. So I'm doing those workshops, um, online and sometimes in person. And I have my vision board here where like this little photo here is me and I could be either there in person or being beamed in and there's a full audience and they're going through um helping their companies to be part of the solution and be inspired. Um, even if they're one person in in their large company or a small company or whatever, just to start doing anyway. I'm doing my workshops. Um and dozens or even maybe hundreds are attending. Um and I've got a few different ways of delivering them. I've got a, a good team that is all over the world, uh, you know, wherever they want to be, but we collaborate well. And, um, you know, and when there are misunderstandings, we just talk through it. You know, coaching has, has given us so many great tools for that. Um, I'm giving back to um, sustainability causes and to animals and uh, environmental Causes and I'm get I get to travel. Like I've long wanted to travel the Silk Route, so in three years I'm planning the trip. So I've moved. So in three years I've moved my business majority online. I have. I'm living both in Southern Europe and in New York, I'm doing my workshops, part in person, part online, and I am happy, healthy, wealthy um planning more exciting trips
1: that's awesome so i want to say something for everyone so the detail that you just went into about your vision board is going to allow you to get there a lot quicker and more accurate than just winding road and the the thing with the vision board it happens to all of us where we get so zoomed in and there's days where you don't feel like doing it or there's days where it's like what's the point point? and it just happens right And so the thing with the vision board is like that allows you to zoom out real quick. Okay, this is why I'm doing it. And on top of it, it also gives your brain a target to reach for instead of just getting monotonous and getting into the same routine and pattern of what am I doing? So especially adding more detail and you did it so well right there just to add so much detail like even just 10 percent for you of the farm produce 30 percent. like you've thought about this right and this is going to allow you to get there much quicker so i definitely love that um you did say earlier about silver method but i ask everybody so what's your favorite my valley quest author certification and what oh i there
0: are there are a lot of them I really like. I mean, I pro- every, all of them. I mean, um, Silva was actually the first one that I did, and um, and it was and it was so serendipitous because I was thinking, okay, I've done a few, I've had a few experiences in my work life where I didn't follow my intuition, and it didn't turn out so great. <laughs> um, in for some reason, in my personal life, I'm better. But I want to develop more of my intuition. And then Silva Ultramind came. And I just, I love the mental video technique and the three scenes technique and how motivational um, the three scenes technique is, like coming up with your next step and then the mental video and getting clarity around the vision, you know, when it's a little bit more murky. And I just, I found going through the, I don't remember how long it was 30 days, 30 ish days. Um, and getting the practice at different levels was so, um, valuable to, to, to real more, to really learning the techniques. And, um, and then the techniques are so powerful and then they've, they've helped me kind of come to, to more of the detail and the vision board that you were talking about. So I loved that. Um, the, the rapid transformational hypnotherapy with Marisa Peer, I just, I just, I love her voice. Like, I could listen to her talking about anything. Like, I, I don't know. Like, I, like they they people joke that, oh, I could hear, I would love listening to her read the phone book, you know, or read the, the tax legal structure or something. I don't know, but her voice and her manner, is just so calming and centering. And um and then it's empowering. So I've just I loved that. And then similarly I really enjoyed um Neil Donald Walsh's Awakened Species quest and um and just the like, Kind of the the structure that he gives to um to 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 human progress or to hu- to like human consciousness evolution and what that looks like and then the exercises and I think I think it was in awaken the Species that one of the days the uh, the exercise was to go on a walk or something and then look at everything. And say I am in that like I am in that green plant I am in that ladder I am in that person who doesn't look so healthy I am in that young joyful couple I am in that historical house and it was just um I mean like I, I I'm somebody who's like all of us in mind Valley has been involved in meditation and similar things for many years, but that exercise was, um, was really profound for me. Um, kind of the just a profound illustration of how we're all connected. Um, and then another part, and now, and I don't remember if this exercise was in the Silva method or in awaken the species was look for the magic in each day and write it down at the end of the day. And, um, and that's just, it's, it's akin to the gratitude journal. So, um, anyway, I could go on and on, but there are a lot of the, a lot of the quests that I really enjoyed. And then a lot of the exercises that have really, um, distilled what they're, what they're trying to teach. Love it. So I got to stop and do a bunch there. So, um,
1: marissa pierre silver method jeffrey allen even vision all of these things are almost like um hypnosis right their voices the way they are it's like theta healing or something where they can just get into you and i didn't expect neil donald Wall, so i'm going to go back there in a second um but what you were describing there where it's like i'm a part of that i'm a part of that saguru in his book inner engineering he says something almost a similar exercise and it's just like you just say, thank you to the tree. Thank you to the leaves, right? Because we are all connected like that. And so quantum physics is kind of showing us this. Um, Neil Donald Walsh. Anyone who's heard this um, podcast, I I said it a long time ago, but I got to tell you again, because you just brought it up. So I'm looking for the book, um, Conversations with God. And so I'm in this bookstore, And I'm scanning the shelves, right? And so the books are all vertical and I'm looking for it. I don't see it. I don't see it. I don't see it. All of a sudden on the second shelf on the bottom, there's like five books that are horizontal, like stacked almost like a pyramid. Every single book was conversations with God. (laughs) And I'm like, Uh yeah. So um, highly evolved being, I have, have, that's what he calls it. So that's where the world's going. That's where we're going. Um, I feel blessed and grateful that we're at the forefront of that. And then as you talk about um, finding the magic, harvesting the gold in your days, Martin Seligman, the father of positive psychology has a three things exercise. And it's just at the end of the day, three things that you're grateful for while you're lying in bed. Right. And it's just a way to put you into that state as you go to sleep, because however you go to sleep is usually how you wake up. And so the three things exercise is just three things that you're grateful for through your day, and kind of just what you just said, harvesting the gold of your days. So I love it. So thank you, thank you, thank you for that.
0: Oh, I love your like you're wrapping it up and like and and talking about the like all of those different and there's voices and the theta waves and the and the sad and uh, like thank you for those. Thank you. I I love there. Their, their wisdom is all somehow connected and, um, and, and you're story about finding like conversations with God and there. Yeah.
1: <laughs> that is not, yeah. yeah so I be,
0: um, I guess my final question would be where can people reach? So global consultants, And, um, I've got blog there. I've got some about me stuff. Um, I've got a link to a related initiative that's all about stories of personal and business resilience. And that's called experiencetoresilience.com or e2r.online. So um, the, 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 the websites are probably the easiest way to get in touch with me.
1: You've been mirroring a lot of my stuff all day long. And then you just summed it up at the end, talking about resilience. I'm working on a course right now for resilience. I'm oh, I'm about 80% done, but it's a resilience workshop. So it just, it sums up the fact you've been mirroring everything right back to me all day long. So uh, Rachel, I'm so grateful for your time today and thank you so much and ciao. Ciao,
0: so, GPG, thank you so much for this amazing conversation and your thoughts and your summaries. And I look forward to hearing more about your resilience course.
1: Hey